Well, hello, everybody. It is July 20th, 2022. This is Rich Poland. And this is Stacey Hannum. And we're we are here today with your Ticket to Rider podcast, the only weekly podcast that discusses all things international golf, focusing on the Ryder Cup. This is our post-Open Championship uh, podcast. Stacey, uh, we were going to record on Sunday, but... I couldn't find hide nor hair of you, but there's a reason why. Tell 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 our friends why uh, I couldn't find you on Sunday or Monday uh, until yeah. today, which is which is Wednesday. Wow. Well, Rich, I tell you, I went to I, I had a work meeting in Las Vegas. I left last Monday. I was there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I stayed with my brother Thursday and Friday. Came home on Saturday, and on Saturday I woke up sore throat. I was like, ah, I'm, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Lozenges, all this stuff, all this stuff I was trying to take to make myself feel better. Get home Saturday night from the plane. I was sick. I, I, that Sunday, one of my, I had promised one of my coworkers that I go golfing and talk to him about some, some career advancement opportunities. And I was so sick. I played 18 holes. I struggled. I got home Sunday night, took a shower and I was dead. Worst COVID, COVID. I tell you the worst. I, I've never had chills and fever the way it had Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And that's why Rich couldn't find me. I, I, I did get to enjoy the open barely, but I enjoyed the open and I just rested because uh, COVID is bad, people. This, and, and I've been vaccinated all the four vaccines and it was hit me pretty bad. But Genentech, it was a, it was a uh, super spreader event. A lot of people got sick from the event. So that's why we haven't been able to record because I have not been feeling well. Today's the first day I've been able to, I've been feeling a little better. I went on a little walk, but I told Rich I still have a fever and I couldn't make it up. I hardly made it up, barely made it up the stairs. So COVID's a real deal, people. It's a real deal. So keep yourself safe out there. But I'm happy to be back. So I'm a little better and on with this because it was a good weekend of golf and a lot of good things to talk about. And it really, it really is a shame for timing because we were supposed to go out tonight with our good friends, Andy Key, uh, the best radiation oncologist in Portland, Oregon, and Scott Brown, uh, one of the best pain anesthesiologist retired and uh, maybe not one of the best uh, uh, musical boyfriend. performers or boyfriends. <laughs> well, not, not our boyfriend, well, but our friend Claudia's ex-boyfriend. Well, and our friend Mitch is in town and he's going to be going to dinner with you on Friday night. So I can't even join you guys in because I, I know I was just thinking of that. Yeah. The way the COVID guidelines are that you have to be, I tested positive today. So you have to have five days. Test again. If I'm negative with no symptoms, then I can go to my meeting on Monday. So I won't be able to see uh, Mitch because I'm COVID positive. So, and he probably doesn't want to see me because he's getting to that age where if he gets COVID, not that it will kill him, but it might make him pretty sick. So, well, and for, I would want to do that. For 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 better or for worse, Stacy. Normally, if you got COVID, chances are I'd get COVID too. But this is like the one time I haven't I haven't physically seen you. Uh, in yeah. weeks now because you've been yeah, traveling been so much. I've uh, been traveling for a while. Yep. So, so, uh, I'm, I'm okay, but, uh, I hope, well, you, you're feeling better. You sound much better. So yeah. I, I think I I'm think feeling a lot better, man. You're over the hump. So maybe, maybe next I, week we can, we can do this. Uh, we can do our podcast. Yeah. Cause I have, I have a bunch of stuff for you. That's come to my place for you. So, so okay, uh, yep, yep. I need to get that stuff to yep. you, but, uh, okay, cool. Um, well, it's been good. I'm feeling better and I just want to try to get through it and, you know, do a lot of, I need some Paxlovid, anyone, anyone knows how to get Paxlovid, I, I just need it. Maybe call my primary care doctor, but I might yeah. need it. Well, if you, if you, if you can't get it through them, I, if, as long as I can figure out what, how I prescribe it and what the dose is, I, you know, I'll do that for you. Yep. Um, so Stacy and I have always had this tradition, but he was traveling this week. The tradition was we'd always be talking on Wednesday night at 1030 when the first shots are hit in the open championship. And uh, so the first shot of the open championship this year was hit by Paul Lowry, whose name is going to come up later in this podcast. I do believe. Uh, were you watching when Paul Lowry hit that first shot on Saturday, uh, Thursday morning 
in Scotland Wednesday evening on the west coast of the of the United States? You know, I got back to my room 10 o'clock, I think, on Wednesday, and I saw and I watched it till late in the morning. So I did not see the first shot. Gotcha. Well, I saw the first shot and uh, then watched for about an hour and a half and fell asleep and then got up at like 5, 530 in the morning. And by that time, uh, Cameron Young was already in with his 64 and Rory McIlroy was already in with his 66. And uh, I, I was just in time to see Tiger Woods double bogey his first hole, which was a shame. Uh, Tiger's performance was it, was, it was sad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was sad, right? I mean, he started off poorly. And, you know, he hit the ball in the divot the first hole, and then he hit into the water. So, yeah, it wasn't a good start for Tiger. It just, uh, you know. Not a good start at all. But you know what? You know, he walked around the course, and, and in spite of the fact he was playing poorly, at least at the end, he showed such joy and such respect for the game. Uh, and, you know, he's really developed – uh, or earn the admiration of his fellow competitors, which is something I don't think he had the love of his fellow competitors when he was a young man. Yeah. I think uh, he wanted to be like Faldo. I think that was his goal, like to be one of those guys, like where everyone didn't want to talk to you. You were the guy that, you know, people were afraid of. And I think that was his image. I mean, that's what he wanted to, that, that's, that's the image he wanted to have at the time. But now I think he's like, yeah, it, it, it was great. I loved watching him. It was great watching him come up. Um, wasn't it great watching him come up 18, the fans and all the players? It was great. Rory teeing off on number one. They got all clapping. Yeah, Rory teeing off on number one. And, you know, it's, 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 it's almost as if the mantle is passed, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, because although, although, you know, Rory has been, in spite of his lack of major success over the last eight years, He's really been the spokesperson for for golf, uh, you know, over over the past decade. Uh, but Tiger remains. There, there's something indelible about Tiger's imprint on on golf in general and and the PGA Tour. And and it's almost like it, there was a realization that although Tiger's been trying to hang on, that he's passing that torch over formally to Rory yeah. McIlroy to to continue. Yeah, I mean, it's really nice coming down that uh, they're going up. The, you know, you had Max Homa, who's, uh, a ch you know, he's Tiger has, has always been his idol. He wins Tiger's tournament, gets the trophy handed to him from Tiger. He plays with Tiger in the, in the Open Championship along with the U.S. Open champion, Fitzpatrick. They're going up 18 and going down number one is Rory, Marikawa, and Xander uh, Shoffley. Somehow they know how to plan it, right? Somehow these tournaments get it right. They really do. They know how to plan it. They know how to create the drama. And it was really interesting, really nice. I mean, it was great seeing Tiger walk up there and being emotional and the fans getting in this fanfare because we'll probably never be back there again, right? We're going to well, be there five years from now? Or? Eight, it's going to be eight years. Uh, they're, they're not going to yeah. be at St. Andrews again until 2030. And, you know, who knows? I mean, what Tiger will be about 55 years old. Uh, will his knee and leg be better? Will his back be better? Or will, by that point, he be so debilitated by post-traumatic, you know, degenerative changes in his back and knee that he can't walk a course anymore? We don't know. Uh, yeah, we don't know. He may be playing on, what's the, uh, what's the open they're having right now? They're playing the, uh, for the paraplegic people, what's the, the one they're playing? Uh, he may actually, be there. Tiger actually tweeted out appreciation for, you know, and saying how much everybody should watch that tournament. I thought it was a pretty cool thing. Tiger didn't have to to tweet that, uh, yeah. so it was a pretty cool thing. Um, so let's let's uh, let's talk about the Open Championship, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Barracuda, uh, which yeah. is I, I I actually I wish the Barracuda was a different weekend because I I do really enjoy the modified Stapleford system for these guys on the PGA Tour. I'd rather it was opposite, say, a WGC event in China, so that you know people watched it. Uh, yeah, I agree. Because I just think it's cool. I mean, you know, it, it's it's like the team event once a year or the match play once a year. I think it's a cool event. And to basically hide it opposite the Open Championship, I, I think does it a disservice. I would have rather they 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 reverse the week so that during the Scottish Open, they played the Barracuda and then they played the Barbasol the next week. Yeah, I think that's probably a better way to do it, right? I mean, because it's three weeks before, three weeks before the FedEx uh, 
the FedEx whatever starts, right? The FedEx champion before right. the start three weeks. So I think they could have maybe that you're right. Maybe they just have uh, the Barbersall as another somehow they make have four weeks or whatever four tournaments before somehow reconfigure the whole thing. I think no, you're they, right. Rich. They just have to they just have to reverse it because you know the Scottish Open isn't going to have the same viewership. Uh, yeah, the true. way they planned it this year was so that the best players in the world uh, from both the DP Tour and the PGA Tour would play the Scottish Open, which they did. I mean, nine out of the top 10 players uh, in the world played the Scottish Open, and then they'd go and play the Open Championship. But they played the Barbasol, which is a a kind of a normal event, uh, won by Trey Mullinax. Uh, they played that opposite the Scottish Open and this more unique Barracuda event, which is played... Uh, uh, the open championship, right? Yeah, opposite the open championship, and and yep. just you know, I don't know about you, I I watched very little of of the Barracuda. I just you know, after watching golf all morning, the people in my life said, uh, "That's enough. You need to spend some time with us." Yeah, well, you know, yeah, you know, I would think, you know, I I think the PGA champion they should not have any tournament opposite of a major. I know they need to have they need to have events, but I think don't have one. This is a big tournament, and if you want to get viewership, you need to not have an opposite tournament of of like an open a championship, right? I, I just think you know, like you said, make it a make the Barracuda have it part of this whole run before the FedEx have three tournaments before the FedEx and put the Barracuda put that championship as part of that final four weeks until you get to the FedEx start of the FedEx. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. that would be great. And maybe you'll get more guys. I mean, it's going to be hard to get guys coming from coming from the Open to go. Because this week they only have two two good players. I mean, Stuart Sink and Tony Finau. Tony Finau is the highest-ranked player of this plan this week in Minneapolis. Isn't Hideki so, there? I think Hideki might be there, too. Yeah. He's going to be the highest player going to the uh, list for probably. Oh, gosh. Well, not yet. Not yet yeah. for Hideki. Well, uh <laughs> So, so one other question before we before we get to the tournament itself, Stacey, you've played St. Andrews, correct? Yeah, yes, yeah, beautiful place. There was a lot of criticism that the course was too easy, that golf is not designed to have you know five drivable par fours, uh, at, and it's just too easy for these guys. And unless the weather kicks up, St. Andrews is just too easy, and they should. I totally agree. I totally agree because this, this day, I mean, Bryson DeChambeau, I, John, I was listening to John Daly's uh, comments. He's played with Bryson, and he goes, well, you know, the guy hits the ball so far. He goes, if I was him, I'd be hitting driver in every hole. He goes, I don't know why he wasn't hitting driver trying to drive every hole out there. And, it, you know, for that comment to be made, I think you're right, Rich. I think, you know, the course is old, so what, you can't make it any longer, right? I mean, there, it's just the way it's set up. The, the greens, a lot of the greens uh, – you know, 16 and 2, 15 and 3, they all add up to 18. So the way the course is configured, I think it might be harder to make longer. But I think you're right. I mean, I think unless there's bad weather, I think it's too easy. But you have to have it there. It's the home of golf, right? It's the home of golf, and it's almost like playing at a museum, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful place. Like you said, the day I played, it was in the afternoon. It was windy. It wasn't too rainy, but it was windy, so it was cool. I mean, but Europe is blazing, Rich. That's the thing. The weather's so warm. It, that course was easy. It was just too easy. Well, I mean, guys They may just... have to think about moving, making it longer, moving some of the tees back. Like, number two, you can move that tee back. One, you can't do anything with. I think they may have to move some of the tees back on some of these holes, and that's it. 17, you can't really do anything back unless you put a tee on the road, road back well, there. Well, 17 is oh. hard enough. 17 plays to, like, a par 4.5 anyway. Yeah, uh, so seventeen, and you don't 18, have to change, but eighteen. I'm saying you had maybe you can move the tee over the eighteen or seventeen green. That's the only way. You can I make think eighteen's fine. I think eighteen. The drama on eighteen, you know, is and the history of eighteen is worth saving. But just you know, I I, I know on Saturday and Sunday as I'm watching, you know, more of the tournament. I watched a lot on Thursday and Friday as well. There just seemed to be just these litany of holes in the middle of the course that just with the conditions being so dry, it was like, all right, they're going to take out another less than driver and they're going to knock it yeah. 250 yards, but it's going to roll another hundred yards and be, you know, you know, on the green or just short of the green. And it's a chipping contest. 
So for guys like Cameron Young, I mean, he hits it so freaking far. I mean, he was hitting through the uh, through the crosswalk. He and Rory, they were driving it down there so far, they had nothing. They hit off hard hand. They could spin the ball. Yeah, it was great. And for those guys, they were driving it way out there. But I think you're right. I think you have it there once, um, once, once every blue moon. Once a decade. Yeah. Once a decade. Yeah, absolutely. That's fine. There are so many other beautiful courses. And, and I think you have to remind yourself that it is the history of golf. And once a decade, you know, go there. But not every five years. Uh, yep, I agree. Once a decade, there's agree. so many beautiful courses in the UK. Yeah. Um, even in, in Scotland. Uh, yes, there's so many beautiful ones. And Mirafield, they need to go back to Mirafield, one of the hardest courses around. That's a tough course. You know, Carnoustie's a tough course. Troon and Turnberry, they're not too hard. But I think you're right. There's so many nice courses. You could choose other places. And hey, go back to Ireland sometimes. You know, it's a great place to, to have it as well. Go to Northern yeah. Ireland. You know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Absolutely. anyway, so anyway, um, Stacy, you've played 17. You know, the road hole is one of the most famous holes in the world. 17 and 18, you know, both are two of probably the most famous, uh, you know, handful, dozen holes in the world. Have you ever seen a shot like the shot that uh, the, the up and down that can't, like the one that Cameron Smith had on 17? It, well, I'll tell you, when I played that, I hit driver, iron into the trap. And I, I put it on the green from the trap, and I still made five. I've never seen a play like that. I mean, I've never. First of all, I've never seen a, he had a great drive. I've never seen a, a terrible iron shot like that from a professional. And then that up and down was amazing. I mean, that up and down was the one for the history books. It really was. I mean, because there, there, there could have been a lot of changes if, Cam, if Cameron Smith makes birdie, and. I mean, if Cameron Young makes birdie and Cameron Smith makes bogey on that hole, then it's a totally different story, right? And Cameron Cam- Young wins. Cameron Young was twelve was twelve feet for birdie too. He hit a beautiful second shot, beautiful drive, beautiful second shot, made the roll hole yeah. look easy as Rory did. Rory had a what a fourteen foot oh. birdie putt on the road hole and and I mean, and missed it. I mean, if the if the hole was the size of an ocean, I don't think Rory could have hit one putt in that day. I mean, seriously. You know, Rory Rory hit every green. Every green and regulation Everything. and shot 70. Uh, yeah. And it's not he like his, Stacey, but it's not like his putts were, were, were missing by a lot. He grazed so many holes. I, I, just, he really did. It's just, yeah. you know, as they would say, there's a word, there's a, there was a word for lucky in, in when I lived in England that you don't hear over here. And when we played tennis and you hit a lucky shot, they would say that was jammy, like, like jelly or jammy. <laughs> And Rory was not jammy. He was he was unlucky. Uh, unlucky. He really was. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, th- I maybe maybe he just became complacent because it was clear that Victor Hovland was not going to beat him that day, and he just didn't see, you know, that someone from behind was going to go birdie, 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 birdie. And then, as it turns out, even Cameron Young passed him in the end as well with that amazing uh, drive on eighteen and and an eagle. That guy's going to be a young star. He's going to be a stud. I mean, I think right now I'd take him on the President's Cup team if I'm a captain. He hits it a long way, pretty good putter. I mean, I think he might be up there. He might be one of the choices. Well, we'll, pick. we'll, we'll go over the President's and the Ryder Cup standings here here in, in a little bit after after we finish. But Cameron Smith, uh, I, I think I guaranteed him to win the Masters, and he finished, I think, second. Uh, he was fantastic. He was he was you know in contention all week at the Masters, uh, so he wins his first major. Uh, Stacy, this is the first uh, time in history where all four winners of a major are under the age of thirty in a given year. Wow. Justin Thomas is twenty nine. He won the PGA. Cameron Smith twenty eight. Uh, Scotty Scheffler twenty five, and Matthew Fitzpatrick twenty six. Wow, isn't that amazing? Yep. You had you. Rich, you had Rory. I had Rory. Jordan Spieth and Adam Scott. Yeah, and, and they all actually all played really well. I was very proud of my Adam Scott pick because he actually, you know, he didn't have a great uh, Sunday, but he tied 15th and was kind of in contention coming into the weekend. I was very happy with my Adam Scott. Yeah, your picks were good, man. I had Don Rom, Patrick Cantlay, so good. Hideki, I don't even have. Decade. Those are the I losers. 
Hideki, I think, made the cut, but didn't. Let, let's let's see. Hideki made the cut, but but shot a seventy six on Saturday and finished tied sixty eighth. Spieth and and Cantley both had top tens, so that's a wash. And Adam Scott did, or and uh, Rory obviously finishing third. Yeah. Uh, you know, beats out John Rahm. So you you picked Matthew Fitzpatrick. So you're 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 the winner for the year on majors because I didn't pick any winners and you picked the winner. So I picked one winner. One winner. I picked wow. a bunch of seconds and thirds, just like last year when I picked a bunch of seconds and thirds, but didn't get a winner. But I tell you, you're right. That up and down by Cam on 17 was amazing. Uh the up and up and in the birdie on 18 was another amazing shot. And just those birdies, to run out those birdies, I tell you, I mean, it was impressive. So it was it, impressive because Rory set back and he didn't fire at pins like he should. He should have been hitting driver on all those holes and he should have been throwing those iron darts at the flag. You know, it's Sunday. You go out there to win it. You don't go out there to let some guy can't run you down. And he got ran down. Well, Cameron Smith was gracious in victory as always. He just seems like a cool, mellow dude. Uh Best putter on the best putter on the planet right now. We're not going to say Jordan Spieth the best putter on the planet. It's it's Cameron Smith. I think Cameron Smith the best putter on the planet. Yeah, I mean Jordan Spieth is putting on the hill and handbag, but I think Cameron Smith he's the best putter. Uh, Cameron Young be the best putter on a PJ. So Cameron Young, you know, the the announcers kept saying how Cameron Young and Cameron Smith were both so so level headed and and calm. If anyone wants to listen to a really good story um, on the Steve Zabin podcast on Monday, he had a guy on who was a uh, who was the official scorekeeper at the at the open at the U.S. Open and and uh, was the scorekeeper for Cameron Young's group. And uh, I don't think people remember, but on that day, Cameron Young was playing terribly and then had an ace and almost made the cut. Uh, had a had a huge rally on the back on his last nine holes. I think it was the front nine at Brookline to almost make the cut. But a story about Cameron Young uh, not exactly being calm, calm and collected all the time. Uh, oh, so the Zabe cast on on Monday uh, was was really good in relation to Cameron Young. Uh, Rory McIlroy finishes solo third, and those three were really clear of the field. Fourth, uh, it's nice to see Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, I have a good performance, 66-67 on the weekend to finish tied fourth with Victor Hovland. Tied sixth, uh, Brian Harmon. Uh, good course for Brian Harmon, right? He's a, he's a short really game is. guy. Uh, yeah. and, then, and then we had, we had a live guy, our first live guy, pl- you know, playing well in a major. That's Dustin Johnson finishes tied sixth. Yeah. Never really, you know, on the weekend, never really stiff, sniffed a victory after shooting 71 on Saturday. Tied eighth, another live guy, Bryson DeChambeau, who went low on the weekend, 67-66. Tied with Jordan Spieth and and Patrick Cantlay. And then uh, tied 11th, a couple more live guys. uh, The young Thai golfer, and I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Saddam Kawagajama with Abraham Anser, Dean Burmeister, Terrell Hatton, uh, finished tied 11th. Well, that would mean some good plan by those guys, right? Yeah. Uh, good plan. Yeah. Uh, there, now, you know, a lot of prominent golfers, though, including, you know, both live guys and non-live guys, you know, didn't make the cut. Colin Morikawa, the defending champion, misses the cut. Uh, Henrik Stenson, who we'll have a lot to say about later, former champion, misses the cut. Justin Harding, Louis Oosthuizen uh, missed the cut. Oosthuizen having, you know, won and and finished in a playoff in the last two St. Andrews uh, uh, Open Championships. Uh, Max Homa, who played with Tiger, missed the cut. We already mentioned Tiger. Uh, U.S. captain Zach Johnson misses the cut. Keegan Bradley, Brooks Kepka, Bern Wiesberger, uh, Phil Mickelson. These guys are, are nowhere near the cut line. Uh, Mark Leishman, who was in a playoff the last time, misses the cut. Uh, Harris English and... Uh, yeah, those are those are prominent guys who who didn't make it to the weekend. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's a you know I've heard the stories. I was listening to uh, Dennis Paulson, CP and DP yeah, this week, and they were just talking about how much they love it there, and you know St. Andrews. It really is an amazing place. It's uh, you know you have so many great pubs. You have the town is amazing, but there's so much electricity in that town. It's just open, and I love when it's at St. Andrews. 
I don't like how the course plays unless it's windy and rainy, but I love when it's at St. Didn't you love they they kept they kept showing pictures of the woman who is like old Tom Morris's great 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 granddaughter or something who lives in his house watching over the course from her from her house. That was so Isn't that great. So freaking cool. You know, but I was so, thinking about this, Stacey. I mean, not to make you feel old. I'm I'm older than you are by a few years. Do you do you realize we've been alive for more than a third of the open championships? I mean, that's the 150th open. We're both older than 50. That's right. Yeah. We've been alive for more than a third of the open championships. What's your, what's your one in 1971? <laughs> what's, I have no idea. What's your first, what's your first memory of any major golf tournament watching? That's a good question. It had to be, I'll tell you, it had to be maybe when Nicholas won in 1986, was it? That was 86. 86. 86. That might be my first one. Maybe when Kel, Kel won one of the ones when he had those dopey looking glasses, those big shirts. That might have been another one that I remember. But Jack Nicholas is because I just remember that outfit, you know, the Golden Bear outfit. I think that might have been one of my first ones, yeah, that I remember. So I, I can remember distinctly uh, Johnny Miller at the 73 U.S. Open. Because I was, I, for whatever reason, I really liked Johnny Miller. Uh, and Johnny Miller uh, won the U.S. Open in, in, in 73. Uh, and I can remember that. He also won the Open Championship in 76, which I can't remember. But I remember watching Johnny Miller on my parents' old, you know, you know color TV set in, in their room and, and rooting for him. For some reason, I just really liked Johnny Miller when I was a little kid. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't like that guy? But that wild swing and a good looking guy he was, you know, he was a good player. Well, the Barracuda Championship uh, was yeah, won by, by Ches Reevy over Alex Noren by 1.43 to 42 over Alex Noren. So, Maybe Alex Noren would be the next captain of the, uh, no, no, but yeah, that's good. Ches Reevy, that's a good win for him, right? How many? He gets set some FedEx Cup points. He moves up. Alex Noren gets 42. second place. Martin Laird and Mark Hubbard. I mean, those are the top leaders of that turn of the, those are the top guys, right? That's right. And those are guys who, you know, you thought might have been playing in the Open Championship. Certainly Alex Noren and, and Martin Laird, but probably this gets Alex maybe Noren gets Noren didn't make it. Yeah. Why is he in the, why is he in the, not in the uh, open championship? He didn't qualify in any of those tournaments. I, wow. I, I guess Rasmus Hoygaard was playing. He didn't qualify for the open championship. That's amazing. Amazing. He's won a bunch of, but he's not in the top 50 in the world. Right. I, I guess. Yeah. You think those young guys have come to the States to start playing now, or you think well, they're they going to be live guys? No, well, no, they, well, they, they are. I don't think so because, they, you know, I think a lot of these, like, uh, I, well, we'll see. But the dean of Danish golf is Thomas Bjorn, and Thomas Bjorn oh. is an anti-live zealot. And I think the, I, you know, I think he carries a lot of weight in Denmark. Okay, well, good, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Barracuda, you're right. I love it. I, I, I do. I think you're right, Rich. They should move the Barracuda after the Open Championship. Have four weeks of play before guys start the FedEx. But you know. I think you got to do it before the FedEx playoffs start. You know, that's an extra tournament. You give guys who want to play in this type of tournament. I think you have a better draw, right? But this week's draw is not that good either. I mean, like you we were talking about earlier, not a lot of good players are playing this week. Yeah, well, you know, it's a it's a it's a long ride from you know from uh, Scotland back to Minneapolis. Well, not when you fly private. It's not that long. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, the 3M championship in, in, in Minnesota this week, and you know, it's not necessarily going to be a loaded field. There's there's no live event this week. Uh, there was obviously no additional DP tour events. Anything else this past week, Stacy, of note? Uh, no, there no, there were no other tournaments this past week. Uh, the women were off because they the Evian Championship uh, is this weekend, and so is the at our one of our favorite places, the uh, Champion Senior Open Championship is going to be held at Glen Eagles. And I think Stephen Dodd was a winner last year, but it's going to be held at Glen Eagles, one of our favorite places, one of the most beautiful places around, I think. I hope, I hope they have a lot of trash cans out and people use them. Yeah. 
Yeah, but what a beautiful place, right, Rich? Glen Eagles, man, what a, what a beautiful, what a, what a beautiful place. place. What a beautiful um, place. When people ask me what, you know, we've been to the last four Ryder Cups. Uh, so we've been to Glen Eagles, Hazeltine, Whistling Straits, and, uh, and Course Nationale in Paris. And when people ask me what my favorite Ryder Cup is, it is, I, I, I say without hesitation, Glen Eagles. Uh, it was the most beautiful venue. Maybe it's because it was the first one and, and, you know, people are surprised because they, you know, they would, what about one of the ones where the Americans won that, you know, it's nice. I'm glad, I'm glad the Americans won uh, at Hazeltine and Whistling Straits. And you know, I probably enjoyed those more than, than, than uh, in Paris, but just something about going to the Ryder Cup in Scotland. Uh, it yeah, was just I mean, special. And the venue, I mean, do you remember that day we were out there, the castle, I mean, the castle, the venue of the place is amazing. I mean, I've never seen the grounds like that. The castles are huge. The clubhouses are big. I mean, it's an amazing place. So I, I think you're right. That's one of that was one of my favorites. I mean, I did like uh, I like Paris is great too. That was a good course. I, that was a beautiful course. Great viewing. I think the viewing there was the best viewing we've had out of all the courses, right? Oh yeah. I mean, in terms of places to find spots. Well, I like Glen Eagles too. I thought we had great spots at Glen Eagles. Yeah, Glen Eagles on that backside out there, man, it was nice, wasn't it? We got way out there with the, you know, all the holes. It was really pretty out there, Glen Eagles. I loved it. Well, uh, let's talk. Let's start to talk a little bit. You know, I'd say we hate to talk about live, but but you know, I think we have to. I mean, especially it has affected the Ryder Cup so much. Uh, and the President's Cup so much, and and no time more than 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 today. Uh, there were rumors yeah. swirling for weeks about Henrik Stenson, who uh, is as as most people know was uh, named the Ryder Cup captain for the European side. And you know the quotes from Henrik Stenson when he when he took that job, uh, you know quote. When I started out as a professional golfer, it was beyond my wildest dreams that one day I would follow in the footsteps of legends of the game, such as Seve, and be the European Ryder Cup captain. But today proves that sometimes dreams do come true. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting, I mean, for him, it's very interesting, right? He comes from a small country. You know, the best golfer, arguably, besides him is uh, Anna de Florentin, right? I don't understand this movie. I mean, he can, why can't he wait? Is he afraid that Liz is going to run out of money? That's why he's going to take the money and run. He can't wait to the end of the year, keep playing the PGA tour and do the captain, you know, two years. Maybe he can't wait that long, right? It's a year and a half from now. So maybe he's like, well, I'm not going to wait. If I wait this long, the money's going to dry up. They're not going to offer me what they can because I'm going to be a year older. So maybe that's what he, his, that's, that's, that, that is what he was thinking. I have no idea. Uh, he says, part of my decision to play in the live golf events has been commercially driven, but the format schedule and caliber of player were also significant factors. Caliber player. Caliber of players. He has guys that he can beat with one arm behind his back. Lee Westwood, you know, Sergio Garcia, who's on the downside, and he said he's getting love from the DP tour, so he's resigning from that tour. Well, you know what? They don't want you on that tour anymore, so that's why you're resigning from the tour. I don't understand it, right? I just don't get it. Stenson and March, the, the captain has an agreement, so I'm fully committed to my role as a captain. Uh, Stenson and March. Uh, it's hard to explain the feeling in a team room with the guys. We are all getting together to play for our countries, for the continent, for the fans, and for each other. The bonds you create, the atmosphere on the first tee on the 18th green when a match is coming up to the final – is just a sporting event like no other. And that's what makes it so interesting for the fans, for the golf fans, for the sports fans, and for people in general that zoom in and may not watch golf on a regular basis, but they certainly zoom in when it's the Ryder Cup. I mean, standing there when Darren finished his match at the K Club and we all, just the raw emotion that goes with victories, with losses, happiness, and disappointment and other circumstances, yeah. I got some of my greatest memories and some of my strongest connections with other players, or certainly, from the Ryder Cup, so it's an experience of a lifetime. He lost his opportunity to do something really good because I think this is the easiest year to be the next year will be the easiest year to be the captain of the European Tour. Because no you know expectations. Why? No, yes, and no pressure of putting Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, 
you know, uh, Ian Poulter on that team. Now you have the Hogarth guys. You have a bunch of young kids that you can build a good team, good young players. I think he missed a great opportunity here to really be a great captain, to have an opportunity to upset, uh, upset the American players because, you know, we're going to be missing a lot of players too that are gone at Rogue. You know, Bryson DeChambeau is not going to be there. Dustin Johnson, arguably two of our best players in the world, aren't going to be on, on this team. So I think he missed a great opportunity to do something good and establish himself as a good leader. And then he could go on to the tour. But he turned down a great opportunity. Um, so. You know, uh, Emin Lynch, who's, you know, a, a, a preeminent golf writer, who has not necessarily been as anti-live as some of the other guys, he, he said that Henrik Stenson was a risky Ryder Cup choice and is a dishonest, another dishonest live golfer uh, in an article today. Um, Why would he a risky? Because they knew he was. They knew, well, they knew I, they knew he may bolt for the money. Kyle Porter from CBS. It's tough to reconcile what Stenson said in March with what he did today, and and we were. I responded uh, on our on our Twitter site. There are a lot of individuals who have been earned, who have earned or been gifted generational money. There are fewer than a hundred who have been Ryder Cup captains. Uh, Henrik, please explain without just admitting you're a whore. And his explanation, his you know, is interesting. His explanation, uh, you know, he, he did admit that money played a significant role, um, but he also then talked about his charitable endeavors, yada yada yada, and oh, okay. and and all the good things he had done with with Annika Sorensen, his good friend Annika Sorensen. So I, I wrote to Annika Sorensen, who, who I said she won't respond back to me, but I said, "What do you say, good friend Annika Sorensen? Your buddy Henrik Stenson just gave up his captaincy." of the Ryder Cup to support an endeavor by one of the most misogynistic regimes in the world. You probably won't answer our little podcast, but can Brandel Chambly ask her? I mean, that's beautifully said because, yeah, he, he just turned his back on, on, the, on European. He really did. Your Ryder Cup just turned his back on those folks. And yeah, like I said, he had a great opportunity to do something good. He had a good opportunity to do something great with the team. You don't have to put up with all these pre Madonnas anymore. This is the best team to captain, I do believe. You may not win, but at least you're going to know what the future is going to look like with the good young players that you're going to have. And you'll have a chance to bring some of those guys along. So Thomas Petrie, the Thomas Peters of the world, the Hogarth. There are a lot of good players, right? Yeah. Aaron Rye. You know, there's a lot of good players that he could bring along. So he just lost his opportunity. So it's interesting. So I don't, you know, this is a little, I don't know if it's a Twitter beef, but so there's a there's a, uh, a a gentleman named Henry Arnett, um, and he's he's verified on Twitter. It says municipal co-founder, CEO, sport utility gear is what it says. I, I don't know who Harry Arnett is, but uh, uh, he sent a tweet out earlier today. Let's see if I can get to it. He sent a tweet out that said uh, um, that. Uh, that, you know, that maybe the reason why uh, Henrik Stenson did this was because of, you know, the amount of money he lost in a Ponzi scheme, you know, not for nothing, but Stenson almost went broke when he lost virtually every penny in that Stanford Ponzi scheme 15 years ago. So I can see how a big guaranteed payday would be appealing to him of all people. But he made it back. I wonder if he's won a bunch of tournaments, the Open Championship. He won. He had great endorsements, and he won the FedEx Cup. You know. So, so I wrote back. Uh, I'm trying to get back to this. So I wrote back, and then his career exploded, and he subsequently won the FedEx Cup and the Road to Dubai in the same year, and made generational cash. No excuse. And so I got a response from from somebody whose name is uh, Eskimo Golfer. Now, now, uh, with a hashtag Eskimo four two eight two. Now, I thought, now I'm probably the wrong person to say this because the, the, I, I probably would have been in favor of keeping the old team name of what is now the Washington Commanders. Uh, but I don't think you're supposed to say Eskimo anymore. I think you're supposed to say Inuit. Okay, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think I'm right. But anyway, he says to me, responds to me, too bad, will you be able to sleep tonight? Lots of interest in other people's money. Get your own. Well, Oh, okay. So, so I don't know, you know, I, I'm, we're not going to talk about money here, but that's, 
has nothing to do with my comments. Uh, and so I wrote him back and I said, the concern, my friend, if you are paying attention, is not making money, but where the money is coming from. With Henrik, there is the additional matter of breaking a commitment to Ryder Cup Europe. If you condone the way the Saudis government discriminate and murder, that's on you. And his response back to me, which I have not responded to, but I am responding on this podcast, and I will respond back to Eskimo Golfer, telling him to listen to the podcast because we're mentioning him. He responds back, nah, it's golf. We can do this all day long on dirty money. Cannot pick and choose when we're outraged. These guys are making a business decision make on, made on money. I don't begrudge them. The DP stripped Benson of his duties. It's on them. He didn't quit. Big difference. Okay. So I'm going to respond to Eskimo Golfer, uh, who is apparently from Wisconsin based on his profile from Wisconsin. So cannot pick and choose when we're outraged. When are we not outraged about the way the Saudi government conducts itself? I guess you can say as a country, we take their money, but as an individual, I mean, you ever, you ever talk about what a wonderful, you know, government, and I'm sure there are many Saudi people who are wonderful, just like I'm sure there are wonderful people yeah. in, in, in Putin's Russia and wonderful people in communist China yeah. and wonderful. We know there's wonderful people in Iran, uh, cause we know many of them who are Iranian, uh, we're not talking about individuals. If this had come from an individual Saudi businessman, we'd be having a different discussion. This is coming from the Saudi government, the government which kills its dissidents. And, and you're right. And it's this guy who's a killer. Yeah, it's the government. The and government which condones right. terrorism, the government which stones gays, the government that takes away basic rights from women. It's not an individual. It's the government. And we're not selectively no. condoning anything. Okay. Uh uh, you don't begrudge them. Fine. You don't care. You know, you know, would you have taken, you know, uh, contracts from Nazi Germany? I don't care. It's a money. It's a business decision, you know, but then the thing that he says about the DP stripping Stenson of your duties, are you, are you naive or are you just a moron? You don't think that the, that the right, that the, uh, that the European tour, the Ryder cup, said to Henrik Stenson, we have the expectation that you will remain a member of the DP World Tour. And Stenson said, I will. He gave them a commitment. You don't think that was a precondition that Stenson knew about when he took the captainship. If you don't, you're either naive or you're a moron. It was definitely, that was definitely mentioned. Absolutely. Yeah, it had to be in that contract, right? I, I they guarantee don't want to name some guy a captain and then he's going to fail. I guarantee you Lee Westwood would have been the captain of this team if he wasn't, you know, they came to Lee Westwood and he said, you know, yeah, I'm going to take some money from the live tour. And they said, you know, thank you for telling us in advance. We don't like what you're doing, but you know, we're going to pass on you. I mean, it, it's a tough one. I, I think you got to, they're doing the right thing by passing on this guy. Now get a captain or someone who wants to be there. And you know how I feel about his opportunity. He missed a great opportunity to lead a different team without the three Madonnas that he would have to choose from. And he would have chose all three of them, by the way, if he had that chance to do it all over again. You know, if he would have three captains picked, he'd choose Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, and Sergio Garcia, and Justin Rose right away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least Justin Rose. So, uh, you know, at least Justin it's Rose gone, does not yeah. join Liv. So hopefully he does. He, I really like Justin Rose. And he's got to be on the short list. And he, if Justin, I mean, he's got to be on and if Justin Rose joins Liv, then then we're not going to be able to see that great commercial where he where he buys ice cream, which is he's actually very good. Was it with Amanda Rose? He's actually very good. Yeah, he's got it. He's got it. He's got to go to Liv. He hasn't won anything like been injured. He's not been playing well. His best one of his best buddies just went to Liv. He dropped a and he. I'm he, sure uh, Justin, he withdrew from from the Open Championship. I didn't see why, but he did withdraw from the championship. Uh, so. So uh, the other guys who joined Liv, we, we talked about Paul Casey before, uh, are Jason Kokrak, who has long been rumored and has basically made you know, no bones about the fact that he, wanted to, that he was going to join the Liv tour. Uh, and then Charles Howell III. Why the heck would they be interested in Charles Howell III? I mean, the only reason they want him is like a long guy who's been tried, tried and tr trusted on the PGA Tour. He's been there for a long time. I think they needed some newcomers that are that's been on the tour the for only, a while. The only know? people who are going to watch Charles Howell 
who are going to turn onto the live tour because of Charles Howell the third are Charles Howell the second and Charles Howell the fourth. I agree. You nailed it. Yeah. And 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 just I mean, and 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 to that extent, anybody going to watch because of Jason Kokrak? No. Uh, yeah. And I said the only he gets people it a long way, but he got the personality worse than Dustin's arm. Yeah, he's the guy who walked off the course, you know, and and made excuses for himself. And then and then. Uh, you think more than 30 people in Sweden are going to watch because of Henrik Stenson? No, you nailed it today. No. He's number 170-something in the world right now. Let me – did you see what's great? You see Faraday's going over, right? And David Faraday. Now, David Faraday and, and apparently Charles Barkley might, might comment. I heard Charles Barkley. So this is the deal. Charles Barkley was on the show last night with uh, – who was he on the show with? Uh, what's the guy uh, – What's the, what's the, uh, used to be on, uh, CBS, Gary McCord. He was on with Gary McCord and, uh, the guy from, uh, that's on the coat. No, he was on with him. He was on there. They have a little show and he was up there last night and he was talking about it. He goes, well, you know, Greg Norman called me. He goes, and I, and I told him I can meet him this day. He goes, I told him I'll meet him on Wednesday night in Atlanta. He goes, and I, he goes, I'm going to listen. He goes, they got enough money. He goes, I'm listening because they got a lot of money. He goes, I'm going to listen. He goes, but you know what? For me to go, it's going to take a lot of money. He makes, he has a three-year deal left on his contract. He makes $6 million a year from uh, TNT. Then he has all those other endorsements. So, I mean, for Charles Barkley, well, I mean, the number for him is probably $10 million a year, right? Yeah. All right. One last. I mean, it's probably $10 million. $10 yeah. million. One last comment because I got to go have dinner that you were supposed to go okay. to if you didn't have COVID. This is from Wayne Grady. This is from Wayne Grady, uh, retired Australian golfer, a contemporary of Greg Norman. I have two comments. Will you stop referring to it as the PGA? It's the PGA Tour. Secondly, from someone who has known Greg for 50 years, Greg is only about Greg. He has been trying to take down the tour for 30 years. The admiration I had for him, for what he has achieved, and for what he did for Australian golf is gone. For him to try to trivialize what the greats before him did to grow and create what the PGA Tour is today is an absolute disgrace. You should hang your head in shame, Shark. I went to Jack Newton's memorial service yesterday and was surrounded by true professional golfers who believe in loyalty and history. Uh, GFY. You know what GFY stands for? Uh, F. Greg Norman, right? GFY, Shark. F yourself? Yeah. Yep. Go F yourself, Norman, huh? Go F yourself, Shark. All right. right. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to follow. Wow. I'm going to just quickly go over the standings right now. And then, okay. Stacy, now that you're sick, now that you're sick, uh, you need to watch Caddyshack. That's your, that is your mission for this That's week when you're week. sick. Okay. Uh, you watch Caddyshack so uh, we can uh, talk about how we would, how we would uh, uh, cast the new Caddyshack. Uh, and that'll be for next week. Here's our President's Cup standings, and then and then we'll uh, we'll we'll say so long. Scotty Scheffler for the U.S., Sam Burns, Xander Schauffele, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Tom Justin Thomas, and and Jordan Spieth are the top six. The next six: Colin Murakawa, Max Homa, Will Zalatoris, Billy Horschel, Tony Finau, and Tom Hoagie. Then you have Taylor Gooch. Oh, hold on. Never mind. Wrong. 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 That was last week. Scheffler, Burns, Shoffley, Cantlay, JT, and Spieth, top six unchanged, Morikawa and Homa, Zalatoris, Horschel, Finau, and now Taylor Gooch, although he won't be playing. Then comes Hoagie, Cam Young up into 14th, Kokrak, again, won't be playing, Kisner, JT Poston, Cameron Tringali, Tringali Keegan Bradley, Maverick Medelli, Daniel Berger. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, again, won't be playing, but he's down in like 26th. For the President's Cup wow. team, uh, Cameron Smith, of course, number one, then Hideki, Sanjay M, Joaquin Neiman, Abraham Answer still hasn't resigned his privileges. So he's still on here as number five. Then Corey Connors, Adam Scott, Vito Pereira, KH Lee, Adam Hadwin, Sebastian Munoz, and Eric Von Royen. Uh, followed by, those are the top 12, followed by Mackenzie Hughes, uh, Ryan Fox, Christian Bazudenhoit, Mark Leishman, Anrabhan Lahiri, and Lucas Herbert. On the Ryder Cup, now we're getting, we're finally kind of having more clarity in terms of the Ryder Cup. On the European side, it's still John Rahm, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Hatton, and Bern Wiesberger, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, Paul Casey, 
Matthew Fitzpatrick, Lee Westwood, Shane Lowry, Sergio Garcia, and Victor Perez, with a lot of those guys, you know, being live casualties. The next guy is Robert McIntyre, who's currently like number 102 in the world. Ian Poulter, Guido Migliozzi, Justin Rose, Alex Noren. On the U.S. side, they weigh the, ma the majors so much more. So Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, Justin Thomas, and now Cam Young are the top four, followed by DJ, Colin Morikawa, Kevin Kisner, Keegan Bradley, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Harold Varner, still in 11th, and Brian Harmon. So a lot still to go, but we, we do see some of the, you know, you know, traditional players moving up a lot. Jordan Spieth has moved up a lot. Uh, Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of new guys on that team, right? A lot of guys are gone now. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But we got a lot of time. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. And, and uh, as I said, uh, Stacy, watch the original Caddyshack. And then be, right. be prepared to talk about it, okay? I will, yeah. i got to do a lot of studying here. It's optimal. Trying to remember this rep and all this. And this is for Henrik Stenson. Loser, baby. Why don't you kill him? Bye, Henderson. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>